This podcast is sponsored by the Copywriter Underground. It's our new membership designed for you to help you attract more clients and hit 10K a month consistently. For more information or to sign up, go to thecopywriterunderground.com. What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes, and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Kira and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 129 as we chat with copywriter Pete Michaels about the importance of getting out of your comfort zone, finding your strengths and building a business around them, saying both no and yes to more stuff, and finding the fun in what you do. Good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been 100, exactly 100 episodes since you were Mm -hmm. on our show. So we thought it was time to bring you back. And I know you've been going through a lot with the business changes and life changes. So why don't you give us an update? What have you been up to? I'm honored to be back. Yeah. Well, I just spent most of the time listening to a hundred podcasts and it's taken me nearly two years. (laughs) Haven't we all? That's right. (laughs) Nearly two years to get through all of them. And I thought, well, there's a couple of points I have to raise here. Yeah. So I've been, yeah, I moved. I I was living in London, I guess, last time when we talked before. And Mm -hmm. uh, I moved to weird and wonderful Berlin, which is a, a fantastic place. And, you know, my business grew. I found different ways to work within my business. I did more business. I, I learned to kind of enjoy my business a bit more, well, a lot more. And uh, yeah, I went through some kind of, you know, personal changes and, you know, life stuff and, and went through some, a lot of questioning processes and came out the other side. And here we are today. Obviously lots of stuff to, to cover and to jump into and lots of jumping off points in there. But let's talk about first the move and the catalyst for your move. I, I know that there were some personal things going on in your life, but why did you choose Berlin and you know, how did that change what you were doing in your business? Well, Berlin was someone that, somewhere that I've been to a couple of times before, just for kind of trips. I traveled around Germany the summer before I moved here. I, I traveled around some different towns with like half an eye on possibly moving here. And, you know, I'd always wanted to, I'd always wanted to take my business to somewhere else, somewhere that I could enjoy working from. I'm not much of a beach person, right? I'm, I'm not much of a kind of Chiang Mai person or like a hot countries person, the laptop on the beach, the kind of work from anywhere idea. I, I did want to explore more. And because I built this business and I guess, you know, most copywriters are in a similar kind of position where, you know, we work with people who are, who are remote clients. We don't necessarily have to be in one place all the time. Why not travel? So I wanted to try somewhere different. I wanted to go somewhere that was, that, that still, I would enjoy the things that I enjoyed about London, which was, you know, kind of bustling, you know, thriving music scene, a lot of art galleries, a lot of kind of just city stuff. Like I need the city more than I need the beach, right? So, so yeah, and I wanted to kind of move somewhere and just explore a bit more of Europe. It's going to be possibly slightly more difficult for, <laughs> for those of us from the UK to do that in the future. Who knows? But it seemed like the right time. So I wanted to kind of, I wanted to move to somewhere that was exciting and new to me, but at the same time wasn't 
complete wasn't going to require like a complete different lifestyle change like i wanted to be able to have co-work spaces and like a, a startup community that i could access and and good wi-fi and i mean i came here not knowing any german so a lot of people the, the place i am now there's a lot of brits and americans out here and, and a lot of people have done german at high school i never even had that it was just one of those things that my school didn't do it so there was a lot of adjustment to be done but i wanted to come where that somewhere that that wasn't like completely going to be completely alien to me. You know, it was going to be fun and exciting and new, but I could still do my business and still kind of, you know, knuckle down and just live in a, a different, exciting city. Okay. So you mentioned a questioning process. So what yeah. did that look like and what triggered that? <laughs> I think a lot of doubts triggered that. And it was, it was kind of a good thing. Like questions are now a big part of my work process, but most copywriters are very curious people, right? It's it's kind of generally taken as a positive that with people who see something, we want to get inside it. We want to figure out, like, why did somebody make that decision? Why is that like that? We're just kind of naturally curious people. We, we see, like, a sales page and we want to know how it works. We want to know more about the product. We want to know more about people's businesses. And so it's it's important to be curious. But I think, and this is something I think we're probably going to talk about later, there was there was a correlation between the kind of questions that I was asking myself about my life and my business and the way that I worked with questioning of clients and in, in their businesses, the, the kind of useful questions that could help you get deeper into a client's market and, you know, create copy. Like every, every copywriting process is like a series of questions, right? And so, I found that a lot of the questions that I had just kind of led to more questions. And so I guess personally speaking, that was just a very, you know, I was just kind of going through this period of like personal change, personal circumstances, lost some people in my life. And, you know, it just, I, I guess for anybody who goes through that kind of experience, they're going to start asking a lot of questions of themselves, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, you know, if you go through a grieving process, it's difficult but you learn a lot about yourself. And I think there are some things that you can apply to your everyday life and to your working life that actually come out of that. And so I was fortunate enough to work with somebody who, uh, somebody last year on a, on a kind of a short-term coaching project who kind of, you know, asked me a bit more about that and, and helped me understand that that was something that I could bring into my work. You know, that kind of curiosity, that like wanting to ask the right questions rather than just, you know, as many questions as possible about a client project. So if somebody hears this and they're thinking, okay, well, like I went through something or I, I lost someone I care about, I'm feeling a bit lost, what questions should I ask myself? Can you give them just some guidelines or even some powerful questions that you asked yourself during that time that could help them? Sure. Well, I mean, when we talk to founders of businesses, there's usually there's usually like, I mean, the best ones, there's always a good reason why they're doing something, right? It's It's not just somebody saw a gap in the market and decided to exploit it or they had applied one methodology to a particular industry and then thought oh there's money to be made over here right there's there's always somebody somebody behind a business who has a very specific question about how to make something better or like a what if question and i think there was a lot of what if questioning in behind my move and behind the way that i wanted to work with clients you know i was i was already like a few years into my copywriting business. And I think after a while, you, you start to get into your comfort zone and you kind of take a lot of received wisdom and you, 
you're, you're either just like going through the motions with the questions that you're asking or you're not asking new questions of people. So that doesn't really answer your question, Kira. Sort of. <laughs> or a specific question. <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking of maybe some questions you asked yourself before you changed your business model and before you made mm. some other changes to your business or personally, what were those powerful questions that helped you make those changes in your business? Okay, so I guess the biggest one would be, am I running my business in a way that I would want to be doing it? Or am I doing what I think is expected of me, you know, as a copywriter, as a kind of a job title? And I had a whole bunch of doubts around that, but it was something that had been kind of, I guess, nagging away at me for a little while. And I I just, you know, I wanted to really sit down and answer that question honestly. I think anybody who is kind of at a crossroads with with their business can sit down and ask themselves some really difficult, honest questions about, you know, why they're doing what they're doing, what would be a better way to do certain elements of what they're doing. Ask yourself a question of like, if I am in a comfort zone, what is it about that comfort zone that appeals to me? Because a comfort zone, I mean, as vague a phrase as it is, it it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing, right? Like the, the, the kind of circumstances that lead you into a comfort zone are usually good. Otherwise you wouldn't be there. It's not comfortable. So there are some things that you're getting right. And there are some things that if you feel like you're in a comfort zone that you're getting wrong. And I think it's just, you know, it's worthwhile sitting down and analyzing what those are. And if you feel like you should be working to get out of a comfort zone, what are your reasons for that? Like, what is it that's really bugging you? Is it worth like tearing everything up and starting again? Or is it worth just kind of sitting down and analyzing some of your practical daily processes is it about the big questions that lie behind like you know why really why am i doing what i'm doing how can i get more fun out of it i mean that's a big one like how can i enjoy my work more regularly and more deeply those are the kind of questions that i think i was asking myself yeah it's interesting too when you talk about comfort zones you know i'm i'm listening to you talk about the questions you ask yourself and it occurs to me I've written in the SaaS space for, you know, a a number of years and it's really been the bread and butter for me, but I keep getting these opportunities to write in other niches, you know, financial or health keep coming up, you know, again and again. And I keep wondering, you know, am I, do I stay with SaaS because it's comfortable? Is the universe telling me that I should be, you know, moving into some of these other areas because I keep getting hit on the, you know, with opportunities in these other spaces? And yeah, when you, when you talk about comfort zones, it's sometimes it's really hard to grab onto the next thing, right? The thing that might take you to the next level, because it's pretty comfortable to just be where we are. Yeah, sure. And I mean, it is, to, it is comfortable to be where you are. I think everybody wants to, everybody sets their own kind of business benchmarks. Everybody has their own sense of, pro, of what progress means. I think maybe for a little while I got caught up in worrying about what progress would mean from the outside looking in or what progress would mean when compared to, you know, whoever else, I I guess everybody goes through that in every industry. And to some extent that's healthy because that's what drives, you know, it can be a motivator for driving you on. Right. But as far as growth, you know, Paul Jarvis was talking recently a lot about growth and I've just ordered his book company of one. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I need to get that. Yeah, and he has he has a lot to say about that, which I find really interesting. I think I'm probably already a convert to it, but I, I really want to read the book and find, you know, see how he makes his decisions about how he grows and how he decides which elements are worth pushing forwards with and 
which things he can just reject because a lot of the time I think it's, I don't know if it's like just kind of external pressure or I think if you really feel it inside, if you really feel like you want to, you want to grow in a certain way, you want to be responsible for more, more people, I don't know, you know, more, more staff or, or just kind of expand your business in ways that feel right to you. That's absolutely fine. And it's really healthy. But I think for a lot of people, there is sometimes this kind of sense of expectation and it's difficult to fight that off. It's difficult to live up to expectations and it's difficult to kind of figure out which ones, which ones are valid or not. And so I think for a little while, I just thought, well, you know, what, what is important to me? If I just bring it down to the basics, like what is important to me? How do I want to work with people? What kind of impact do I want to have? You know, this, this is really kind of basic questions that might seem really obvious that I think for a lot of time we just, you know, we carry on with our business. We just don't answer them. They just kind of hang in there. We, you know, you're busy. If things are going well, particularly, then you, you often just kind of don't ask yourself these questions. You just think, well, this is fine. Let's just carry on doing this. And then when, you know, life or business gets difficult and often that, you know, the kind of work that we do, it's like they're very, very connected, right? We're not people who can just kind of switch off and disappear for a couple of months and the business keeps going. So when, you know, you hit a, a bump in the road, then that's when you start to ask kind of important questions of yourself. So as you went through this exercise and you're asking these questions about, you know, are you enjoying your work? Are you working with the right people? How did you settle out? Like what changes did you eventually make in your business so that you are, you know, getting the growth that you want as you define growth or the changes that you wanted in your business? What does that look like today? Yeah, sure. There was some times when I just, I just felt like, you know, I'm, I'm just not enjoying what I do. I'm still I'm still doing it well. And there is a certain level of professional pride, I think, just really drives people on to, to put everything, you know, if you're getting, if you're having doubts about what you're doing, and if you're going through something personally, I have particular, you know, I personally have a, like a certain level of professional pride that will just, you know, it can put that stuff out of the way between nine to five or whatever you work, you know, and just carry on doing what you're doing. And I didn't want to let it interfere with the work that I was doing. But at the same time, you know, that's, that's how you just kind of get stuck in a rut. So a decision that I was made that I made for myself last year was that in the past, I've done some coaching with, with copywriters and it's been really useful. Last year, I didn't do any specific coaching or mentoring, but I did do a short program with a guy called Jason Leister, who happens to do a lot of copywriting work for his clients. And that's how he started out, but he's not by definition, a copywriter. And so it wasn't necessarily copywriting training he had a program that he was trying to help kind of one person businesses and uh, I guess people who were, who were behind larger businesses as well, figure out a way that they could get more of themselves into their business. So he would ask, you know, when I kind of signed up for this program, it was very short. It was just like, you know, two or three sessions and some written deliverables, but he asked some very, very, hard hitting and very honest questions. And some, you know, again, this was like a really useful process for me to just kind of listen back to. When I listened back to the recordings of our calls, it was, it was interesting for me to kind of step out of the room a little bit and just view it as one person asking very useful questions of another. So it was a, a good learning experience for me as well. But the kind of thing that he was trying to help me do was to figure out how I could involve more of my actual being, my actual personality in the work that I do with people. And I think this was something, this is, you know, I had a sense that I kind of already wanted to do this. 
So there were no real like blinding revelations that came out of this. It was more of a kind of acceptance of, yeah, these are the changes that I want to make. Like again, his process is very question-based. He didn't tell me how to do anything, if that makes any sense. You know, everything that we worked on was him asking difficult questions and then me going away and thinking about them and kind of coming back with a response or in some cases just leaving it at the question. And the main thing was that I, I wanted to try and get more of my own kind of personality, my, my own kind of unique skill set into doing what I was doing rather than feeling like oh, I have this copywriting business here and I've done all of these different trainings, for instance, or I've worked with different types of clients in particular areas. And so I can take what I've learned from those things and just apply them to the next process. Or, you know, I, I worked with so-and-so copywriter and they do things this way and they're really successful. And therefore here's what I should be doing. You know, I, sh I should be kind of taking the same thing and applying it in the same way. I'm not saying, you know, forget everything that you've been taught and forget everything that you've learned because there are principles in what we do that work really well. But when it comes to you know, the actual act of kind of working with clients and advising people and consulting with people, you need to bring more of your own kind of instinct, I guess, your own sense of expertise, your own way of handling people, you know, in those kind of there's a whole myriad of ways of, that copywriters need to, to work with clients. And there are processes that you can follow when you're starting out that will get you to that level where, you know, you're, you're doing the right thing more often than you're doing the wrong thing. But I think when you want to go deeper and you want to bring out a sense of uniqueness in what you do, you need to feel more comfortable, I guess, more comfortable with doing things the way that you do them. And, you know, part of that is seeing results. But another part of it is just, is just having confidence in, in that what you do is the right thing because you're the person doing it and no one else can do it the same way. Can you share examples of how, how you do this? So how you've integrated your personality and more of you into your work just for copywriters who might not totally get it. Sure. So I think when it comes to writing, I really enjoy writing. And I wanted to get to a place where I was enjoying writing sales copy for people more than I was. So the way that I approached that was to think about, okay, if you're going to adopt someone else's personality when you're writing, how can you find elements of their personality or elements of their brand that you can put into words and they're still to get this, it's going to sound like them and it's not going to sound like you. So this isn't about like, you know, bringing my personality forwards in somebody else's brand because that's not what we do. But just finding stuff in there that you can kind of empathize with. And again, this comes out of like a, a kind of a questioning process when you sit down with a client before they're a client and then during the research process, figuring out what it is that, you, that particularly interests you about their service. I think a lot of it comes down to trying to understand the best way that you can help them beyond this kind of obvious, you know, received wisdom of being a copywriter, of being just like transmitting their thoughts through you. So what would be a way that you could sit down with a client and help them understand the things that maybe they don't already know about their best clients and customers? So, you know, when I talk to people, I work in a, a kind of co-work space here and it doubles as a, like a kind of a startup incubator. And there's a whole bunch of interesting people in there with like founders of different startups and people who are doing really exciting things. And when I talk to them, a lot of the time, they're not quite sure who it is that they want to serve. So they have a sense of like what the target market should be, but they, they haven't really, maybe they just haven't really gathered a lot of data on them or they haven't done a lot of interviews. 
these kind of things. So I was trying to figure out, you know, what would be different processes that I could involve in, in, you know, sitting down to write a sales letter, for instance, or sitting down to create a website. What would be some useful processes that I could bring to this project that would give them more than just the kind of written deliverable on the screen? Like, how could I enhance their their understanding of, you know, who they're serving and what their core market is, what, sorry, what their core message is, and what is it that they're trying to say? How can I help them build trust? You know, because a lot of the time, the kind of received wisdom of sales copy, if you put it in in the wrong way, if you kind of misuse it, you end up with this like structural correctness on a page where it's like, okay, well, here's the headline. Here are all the kind of traditional elements that we want to see, but it just doesn't it just doesn't hang together. It doesn't doesn't feel trustworthy. And sometimes, you, you know, I guess copywriters, we can see when that's being done. We can kind of read between the lines because say, okay, they're following this formula, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel trustworthy. It doesn't quite hang together. So again, you know, sometimes I was working with people who had tried to do that themselves and they were finding that it was like, you know, I'm doing all the right things. I'm putting all the right, all the right notes in. They're just not in quite the right order. So I was trying to help people figure out how could they build trust with their audience while still using tried and tested sales techniques. And so just these kind of things behind the scenes that they would be able to get out of a project. And I realized that this is work that I was already doing. This is work that I've been doing on people with people on various projects over the years, but I just hadn't seen them as being important. They were just kind of byproducts, you know? Yeah. I really like this idea of you know, trying to pull your personality or you know, my personality into my work better. We try to do that for our clients. I think, you know, a lot as we help them discover a brand voice and, you know, work on ways to make them different. And it's one of those things that other people can't copy. So, you know, it's, it seems pretty important. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, if, if I was a client working with you, Pete, how would I see your personality reflected in, you know, the process that you set up that's maybe different from somebody who would be working with Kira? <laughs> I have no idea what, what, uh, how people are doing. It's great. I can tell you it's great. Yeah, it's awesome for sure. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I think that part of the key to this is just to stop worrying about like, what is it like? What is it like when this potential client is going to work with Kira or Paris Lampropolis or whoever else it might be? It's just kind of thinking, you know, how can I best serve this person without worrying about the ego? So, if you are going to work with somebody, just have the confidence to do it in a way that feels right to you. So some of it is about what you've learned, and then you can implement things differently. If you have a particular style of communication with clients, but you know you feel, well, this isn't what I've seen you know, written in somewhere else, or, or this is not what I'm hearing on, I don't know, a podcast or from some other kind of information source, if it feels right, and if you've got to the point where you know you're getting results from what you're doing just have the belief that you're probably a person who it's easy for clients to work with it may be that you have a particular communication style you have some quirks if you're not just you know finding that you're running in, running into difficulties with people a lot it's quite possible that the way that you're doing things is correct i th- i think you know this is the kind of questions that i was asking myself Rob, and, and I really don't know what the answer is because I stopped, I stopped studying how other people were working with clients. And it, it just kind of gave me a real sense of freedom to think, okay, I've worked with a number of clients now. Every time I sit down to write an email, it's considered, you know, I don't kind of fire emails back off the cuff. I, I, I think if, some, if you're working with a client on a, on a project, 
then it's not about the speed of the response. It's like you, you need to get back within a certain amount of time. But if you can answer every question with patience and in a way that kind of sets boundaries, perhaps, but at least allows them to understand that you've gotten yourself to a point where you're giving expertise that they didn't already have. Just those kinds of things, just like kind of extra confidence that comes from understanding that they've chosen to work with you quite possibly based on the way that you interacted with them in the first place. Like if they, you know, they came to you from somewhere and they asked you a series of questions and you got on the phone with them, or if you, you know, you did a lot of back and forth with them, that's kind of got you to a place where they're willing to work with you because of something that you did during that process. So just, you know, continue to work with them in a way that feels right for you and just have more confidence in it, I guess. Yeah, it sounds more like it's just about being a human and like interacting with another person and just showing up as a person rather than trying to be a certain type of business person and having that level of awareness to know who you are and what what you bring to the table. Yeah, people are attracted to people, you know, rather than businesses. Because the idea of a brand is somewhere in between, but people are attracted to people. Professionalism comes into it a hell of a lot, I think. I think you can still be, you know, your true self for want of a better phrase, but you, you can you can be your true self in business and you can work with clients one-to-one, but you still need to retain a very, well, I, I think you need to retain a very high level of professionalism. For a beginner copywriter, for instance, I think if you can get the professionalism aspect right, then that's a huge amount of the work done for you already. Just, you know, the John Carlton's rules that he always he always quotes is like, you know, do what you said when you said you would do it and just, you know, that, that's like half the battle. Set a deadline or if you set deadlines within a project, don't miss them. Just do what, everything that you can to not miss them. Don't miss calls. I, I've, you know, in the whole time that I've been a copywriter, all the work that I've done, I've never missed a project deadline and I've never missed a phone call. What? I've never missed, like, I've never missed a meeting. Are you serious? Serious. Like, it's one of the easiest things to do. If, if something is coming up that's going to be in the way, reschedule it, you know, or ask to reschedule it. It's just one of the simplest things to do. And I found a lot of the feedback that I get when I work with clients is that they compliment me on my professionalism. And that was something, <laughs> you know, at first it came as quite a, kind of a surprise to me because I was like, I was like, really? Because I was still making it up as I went along, you know, for a lot of the time. I just felt like showing up at the right time and delivering on time, those kind of things were, were very important. Can we just survey the room real quick? Rob, have you ever missed a deadline? I have missed a deadline. Yeah. I try. <laughs> I, 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 well, I try very hard. It's been a while since I I did it. You know, I try really hard because I, I agree with you, Pete. I think this is one of the places that should be easy for everybody to set themselves apart from the vast majority of people who do miss deadlines. And so, yeah, I have missed them in the past, but it's been quite a while. Okay. Yeah. How about you, Kira? I'm, uh, I'm not judging. I'm just asking yeah. because clearly I need to work on my professionalism. So... So you just turn the spotlight on us there. But I, I think it's it's one of those things. It's not very sexy. You can't you can't really build like a whole copywriting business brand strategy around the idea that you that you don't miss deadlines because it feels like it's the base level, right? And and that you don't miss meetings. But really it's a it's just one it's like one of those things that it makes a huge difference when you start working with people. And just, you know, I remember looking through this last year and I think it was about, I don't know, maybe three three client projects in a row that people complimented me on it and I felt like okay you know I'm doing something right here I'm not like busting my ass to absolutely do this thing which I feel should be almost a prerequisite but 
it was certainly, you know, it was very important. And I think it's, it's important if you want to work with the same people again, you know, if you have a good project and you enjoy working with somebody, once they've experienced working with you and, and the level of, I guess, empathy is important, the level of kind of empathy and understanding that you show. And if you can, you know, there's got to be some wow factor in there as well, right? You've got to kind of wow people with insights and, and your process and obviously the deliverables, and you've got to actually get some results for them. But there are just so many times when I feel like, I speak to people who do what we do and I speak to people who, who do other kind of maybe design businesses and stuff. And it's, it's almost like a different world. It's like different things are expected. People don't seem to have that same level of professionalism that I think a lot of really good copyrights do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We've moved on from the Mad Men day. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> Sleeping off the drinks after lunch. So can we talk about fun? I think you mentioned fun and that this change in your business has helped you have more fun. Like, what have you done to have more fun? What does that look like in your life? How do we have more fun? What does it look like? What does it look like? I think it, it looks like it looks like a happier Pete. So I said about the professionalism, you know, I, I, I should point out that like, there was never a time when I felt like, oh, this is terrible. You know, I wish I was doing something else. This is a terrible life. You know, I get to set my own schedule and, and I get to work with people directly and I don't have a boss and all that stuff. I've always enjoyed that. But I think, you know, maybe there's the reasons that people get into into copywriting or into freelancing but then if you're going to sustain that it can't just be about the things that you hated about the cubicle job for instance that you that you're just not you don't have to put up with anymore so i mean i enjoy i enjoy the kind of research process i enjoy asking questions of people i enjoy seeing passionate people who have started a business who are still in tune with their customers and their clients I enjoy seeing them describe something new that they've created and the kind of energy and enthusiasm that comes from that. And if you can work together with somebody and you ask them a bunch of questions and you go through this research process and you get in touch with their uh, their existing clients and customers, and then you kind of do all this work and you put stuff down on a page and you show it to a client and the client is like, yes, you get it. You've, you know, you've done what I would have done if I had your skills to be able to do this thing. I think that's a huge cool thing in copywriting that, that, that we have that a lot of people don't. A lot of industries and a lot of different creative workers don't get that sense. You know, that kind of sense of getting somebody at a certain level where you've translated their, their motivations into a piece of writing. That's a cool thing for me. Yeah. As part of that, I think, you know, when we were trading emails before, you said that you've started saying no to more things and yes to more things that are enjoyable. And, and that's got to play into mm -hmm. the kind of work that's more fun. What are the things that you've said no to and what are you saying yes to? I said yes to a lot more life experiences during that time when I was thinking, am I going to move to this place? And you move to a new town. And if you only know like two people in a new town, then you've got to say yes to a lot more things. Otherwise, life is going to be pretty dull. So so that was what I was saying a lot of yes to. Saying a lot of no to, I mean, there wasn't a heck of a lot of no. It was just knowing when something wasn't right, but the terms of the deal might have been right. So knowing that you could work on this perfectly decent project fee in perfectly decent kind of circumstances, but just knowing that it may not be the best gig for you or just take that risk. And I, I quite like the risk that comes with with what we do. This is, you know, another thing that I, I find kind of fun is like that slight kind of seat of the pants risk that we all take where we're like, if I don't take this job, then what else is going to come in for like that particular month? You know, is something going to come in that's better? 
just those kind of risks. And I found that fun. <laughs> it's a bit of a, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I'm in a position to be able to do that. And, that there, you know, I have less mouths to feed than many copywriters, but just being able to use your gut instinct to go, is this the best way for me to spend, you know, perhaps a month of my time in future? Yeah, I wonder if there's a way to break it down. So for anyone struggling, you know, with, when do I say no? When do I say yes? Is there any type of process you go through when you're thinking through it other than just the gut instinct? I think if it feels ethically wrong, it's always a no. It should just always be always be a no. I don't know how, you know, the kind of hypothetical person that we're talking about has got into the gig, but don't get into it just for money, right? Not at the beginning. This is, you know, copywriting is never a desperate person's way out of doing something else. It takes time. So if something feels wrong, like ethically, or if it feels just like completely not a good match, then no should be the most obvious answer. But I mean, ideally, you, you want to be looking at something where is this a project where you can actually have impactful results for the client? I think that's the most important thing. It should be about what you can do for them. And then everything else is just going to come out of that. If you believe that you can make a difference to a client's business, then apply your own kind of questioning process to that. I, I was listening to um, Eric Bakey when you guys were talking to him a few episodes back. And I know that he has a really, really specific process. He genuinely believes that, you know, he will only take on work where he can make, I mean, I can't even remember what his figures were, but he, he believes that he can make a huge impact in somebody's business and he will only take on work when he believes he can make a certain bottom line result for them. And, you know, there's really something in that. It's like, ultimately, you're there to do a job. You're there not for them, not for the client to say like, oh, I hired a copywriter. You know, I hired somebody to work on my business. It shouldn't just be like a badge of honor. It's not just like a next step for a growing business. They want results. And if you feel like it's a market that you understand or that you can understand more about by going through a particular research process, then go for it. Talk to them, ask questions of them about results currently and try and figure out if there's a way that you can make a difference for them because ultimately you can have a great working process for somebody you can kind of tick all the boxes and do all of the work and you know if if it launches and nothing really changes then you haven't fulfilled the right elements of the job yeah and as part of this transformation that you've gone through and as you've done all of this thinking pete i've noticed that you've changed the way that you talk about your own services you have i think named your process you talk about selling unique which is maybe unique to you you've defined a process under that and you know it, it feels like a lot of that has come out of this process that you've gone through over the past couple of years will you tell us a little bit about selling unique and what that means to your clients and that you know the process that you go through in order to to fulfill on that promise Sure. So I found that, again, it was partly out of a desire to to kind of filter through the kind of leads that I was getting and the people that I wanted to work with and figure out if there was a way that I could attract people to the kind of work that I wanted to do, that they would look at my message and go, okay, that resonates with me. You know, he sounds like the right guy for me. He sounds like the person that I want to work with. So Selling Unique was again, it was something that came out of the work that I did with Jason Leister when we were trying to figure out what it is that I help people achieve and, and what it is about the way that I help them do it. And this idea of uniqueness kept coming back. Like it's not, nece- I, I've never necessarily been attracted to people who are, their whole positioning is around like, you know, the best X in Y market. It's always been about people who are doing something differently. And that doesn't 
have to be like a personality-led brand, but it can also be, uh, you know, kind of B2B businesses in the SaaS market, for instance, but just people who have something different to offer and possibly they haven't quite figured out what it is or how they can express it. So I'm finding now that the people that are asking me to, you know, people who are contacting me about potential projects are interested in an idea of having a core message that runs throughout all of their marketing that positions them as doing something that's completely different to anyone else. And I'm finding that instead of having people who come to me and they want one deliverable, they're kind of out of, I don't know, maybe not out of desperation, but sometimes they're out of like a a kind of a vague sense that if they do this one other thing, if they implement like a particular type of sales funnel, or if they run a particular type of campaign, you know, received wisdom about certain processes that comes out and wanting to do you know, take a kind of a desperate stab at getting sales through this one particular method. What I'm finding now is is people who genuinely have this sense that they have something to offer and possibly they have an existing, you know, a, a successful existing business that's got along just fine with a particular core message or a particular messaging strategy. And they wanna they want it to to speak more to people who are interested in what they do differently, rather than just kind of saying, oh, we're the best at this and just, you know, make you know pushing forward with that so people who are really questioning about their process they're not quite in tune perhaps with their best clients and customers they want to do some work to figure out why it is that they've you know attracted the people that they've already attracted so that they can you know attract more of those type of people so people who are kind of maybe at a crossroads in their business where they're saying look you know we're doing okay so far but we want to understand why we've had successes and why we've had failures. And so if we can, if I can hear from those kind of people who want to go through this process with me, and that's why I've, you know, I've outlined the process on the website and I, I stripped down my website because there was a whole bunch of extra services and pages that I've had on there that I was finding I just, I just really didn't need. You know, just trying to bring it down to this method of saying, look, I have this process. It involves these particular questions. You can go to the website and see what questions they are. And if, if some of those resonate with you, then that is a part of the process that we will be going through. And then just invite people to get in touch from there. So this is kind of an obnoxious question that we're not supposed to ask, but can you talk about your spiritual journey and what that's looked like for you over the last, well, 100 episodes? (laughs) The last 100 episodes. I like how we're measuring time in in episodes now. It's a very 2019 way of of looking (laughs) at things. (laughs) Well, I don't know how to describe it, really. It's been... I guess 15 months, 15 months roughly since I left the town that I was in and I came to somewhere new and I lost, you know, some people in my life and found myself questioning personally and professionally, asking a lot of difficult questions of myself, but it really kind of worked out. And I think I don't want to belittle, you know, other people's situations and say like there is always going to be like a clear path through life changes or grief or whatever. But I think work became much more important to me for a little while. You know, work, it's not a new thing to say, like work helps you deal with grief and stuff in your personal life because you need something to focus on. But actually I found like a lot more fulfillment who actually doing work and working with good people and people that I enjoyed the kind of day-to-day interaction with and, and, and helping them optimize things and seeing results and then like optimizing things to make things better I, I didn't think that I would get that from my work when I actually embarked on it. You know, I kind of, like a lot of people, I just kind of got into copywriting through 
bit of a backdoor through like working in marketing in different charitable organizations back in London and then figuring out a way that I could do it for myself and help clients that way. And it was a bit of a wobbly journey, but I I didn't really get into it thinking, you know, I, I need some fulfillment here. <laughs> I need work that's going to be fulfilling. I just thought, here's something that I can do and let's just see where it takes me. And then I guess you can that will get you so far. And after that point, you need to feel like your work is going to lift you up on a, if not a daily basis, then certainly like a weekly basis. And now, like it's the start of 2019, I wrote this blog post in the first week of January about how I, you know, kind of came to sit down at my desk on January the 2nd and like, you know, get started again after like a two week break over Christmas. And I had to walk through some pretty <laughs> difficult weather to get there. And I was like feeling in a pretty crappy mood but then when I got there it just kind of lifted and I was like you know what I get to do this again and that's the first time that on like January 2nd or whatever the day that you go back is that's the first time that that had happened to me and so yeah it really felt like I'd kind of gone through something and come out the other side and feeling very positive about life and work and, and and stuff in general and part of that came through you know that was just through circumstance and part of it came through a desire to get out of certain elements of a comfort zone. So not everybody has to go through some, you know, you don't have to go through something radical, like a change of, you know, moving towns or countries or whatever to go through that, but just a bit of self-analysis every now and again, I think can't do any harm. All right. So final question, what does the future of copywriting look like to you? It looks pretty positive. It's an interesting question. I was thinking about it earlier on and I was thinking about the things that copywriters do that kind of bind us all together. And I think across all of the various different mediums and different ways that we work and, and different ways that copywriting is employed now with, you know, with video and with like microcopy and with like messaging bots and with like ad campaigns and stuff is that everything is about connection. I saw this Charles Eames quote, the, the designer and architect earlier on, and, and it said, everything eventually connects but the quality of the connections is key. And he was talking about people, places, products, furniture, but people are looking for quality connections. And I think copywriters, we get to put those connections together in a way that a lot of different, you know, there, there aren't many industries who can actually do that. And we work on, you know, our work is judged by the quality of the connections that we create. I think the methods are always going to change, but the need for a connection between humans is always going to remain. So I think as far as copywriting goes, it's a pretty rosy outlook. Yeah. Lots of opportunities out there for everybody who wants to go out and work hard and, and get them. So Pete, if somebody wants to connect with you or get on your list or see what you've been up to lately, where should they go? Rockandrollcopy.com is still the site. I post weekly on the blog there and I have an email list. And so I've been doing weekly articles like selling unique inspiration articles since last March. And that's been a lot of fun as well. It's like just the enjoyment of writing weekly. So if you want to get on there and find some selling unique inspiration, it's rockandrollcopy.com. Yeah. And they're really good. They're really, there is really get, good get on the list. It's worth it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you, Pete. We appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode.